This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello out there in podcast land and welcome to episode 158 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott. And I am AJ Meyer. Hey, that was cool. Uh, And you're listening to Inside Acting where uh, we interview actors, directors, uh, agents, managers, producers, casting directors, voiceover and personal finance and fitness gurus, aerialists, dancers, singers. I mean, you name it. We feature them uh, in an interview on this podcast and we record ourselves kind of chatting about our journey on either side of that interview and then stick it out there every week on the worldwide intertubes for your listening pleasure. And speaking of our journey, who are these two dudes? Well, we are just that, two dudes with a podcast who decided to go looking for the answers and then uh, eventually found out that there weren't any. And so instead, we just decided to keep asking good questions. So that's what it is. And if you have questions, feel free to call us, leave us a voicemail, email us. All the ways to get in touch with the podcast are at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on today's episode, we have part two of our three-part chat with actor, singer, musician, Ryan McCartan. AJ sits down with him, and it's just more of the same awesome Disney goodness. So uh, (laughs) make sure you guys stick around for that. Disney goodness. Disney <laughs> goodness. Um, Wholesome is, family Disney goodness. What is Disney goodness? Uh, Disney goodness is is Ryan McCartan. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. He's going to hate us. Uh, hi, Ryan. If you're listening to this, I love you. I miss you. Come visit in New York. Um, what's up, man? What's, what's uh, the world? Um, what is new, man? I don't know. I'm in sunny California. You're in sunny New York. Um, it has been pretty warm here. This has been... I've been pretty grateful for the uh, the type of summer that we've had. Even mm-hmm. even a lot of the uh, long-time New Yorkers have commented that it, it's, a, it's a very mild summer. My, mild it, summer? Yeah, because the only... Because the only other time I came here was like in the summer of, I think it was 2007. It's the only other time I came to New York, just a quick trip that I took with Tom Burmester, the artistic director of our theater company. Yeah. And we were here for five days and we made the mistake of coming in August, which is the worst if it's a hot summer in New York. And it was so gross and sweltering. Yeah. Oh God. It was like a, it was like a sauna. You 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 were just dripping all the time, going to the subway, uh, waiting on the subway platform for the, for the train. And yeah, it's just like being in a sauna, and you it smelled bad, and you were you were you were you you'd take a shower, and then you'd be 
like you try to dry off but it was start like constant sweating again immediately yeah exactly the worst dude when i was in philly and i would take the train up to new york for like random auditions and stuff uh it was typically in the summertime and uh that's like the the, the main reason that i did not move to new york because i, I just had such an awful experience in like the <clears> sweltering <throat> like awful new york summers i was like well, i don't want that if weather is important to you, you made the right choice. Yeah. I, I would say that. I miss and, the seasons, though, man. You guys get seasons out there, so there's that. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a fair trade-off. No? Because seasons is like, okay, there, so then there's fall, and that's beautiful and gorgeous and great weather and everything. But then it's winter, and you're just in hell again because the you know we showed up in one of the worst i said this on the podcast when we got here but we showed up in one of the worst winters yeah. new york has seen in a long time yeah. and there were just piles of snow on the sidewalk and piles of trash on the sidewalk because the the the, the trash trucks couldn't get through let alone the, the plows it was it was awful it was just like walking to 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 school i almost said school walking to rehearsal it was kind of like school Walking to rehearsal every day through this like slushy, gross, not snow, not water, mm-hmm. b- black <laughs> because of the you know asphalt right, right. stuff. It was it was it was not fun. So I guess spring and fall are great. <laughs> <laughs> and you you are going to be out there for the fall. It sounds like. Yeah, I think I think the plan right now is to stick stick around. I think the thing is is I want I want to be home for the holidays. It's been a long time since I see my family. I haven't been away. I don't I don't know that I've been away from Southern California this long ever. Mm-hmm. In my in my life. And I I want so I want to see my family. I want to see my friends. So the plan right now is to come home for the holidays. And that trip will either be a semi-permanent trip home or it will be a vacation. Interesting. Cool. So, I don't know yet. You're going to come home to vacation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, basically, like, it will either be we're moving back or it will be we're, we're going home to visit and then coming back here. Right on. Right on, cool. Any, uh, I mean, I guess you're probably completely up in the air on that right now, but is there any inkling as to which that might be? I mean, how has this past week or two been with the kind of take-no-prisoners approach to, to your career? Well, <clears throat> there's, 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 there's a, an up and down to it, and it's, pr- it's pretty much the only thing I have to talk about because it's been, it's been pretty slow. The, the upside is laying the dominoes, I thought about that again the other day about the yeah. uh, Brian Norris, uh, Brian Norris's analogy of, yeah, of, our, of setting the dominoes. Our roundtable episodes from uh, mm-hmm. this past December or January. Yeah. So I thought about him again, and I thought that that is exactly what I'm doing. Except that instead of setting up dominoes in LA, I'm setting up dominoes in New York. Hmm. And like he said, we can set up as many dominoes as we want, but as Ryan McCartan says, no one no one gets anywhere alone. So someone else, Brian said, someone else will come along and knock them down. So I just feel like I'm setting t- 
tons of dominoes right now. Like that is what that is my goal is just build relationships, get into rooms, uh, meet people, talk to people, find out what's what, and and set up dominoes. So the only thing I haven't yet done on on my on my plan my my list of things that I want to accomplish is uh, I have yet to go to a casting director workshop since the the show closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, but that's next. That's like, I'm, I'm, that's gonna, that's something I'm going to be, you know, looking into this week. Cool. So that's, so setting up the dominoes is, is like the up, the down is I haven't had a big meeting, meaning audition since we closed since the show closed. You, you, you've had a, not an audition or, uh, so to speak, but you've had like generals and things like that. Haven't you? Yes, yes, but that's what I mean. Yeah. I, I said I said meeting in the in the way that right we use it, but in, in this case, it actually becomes confusing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> legitimately confusing. Damn so those inside acting guys, no yeah. idea what they're talking about. So we don't. We have no idea. We're just two. That's dudes. the whole point, um, right? <laughs> exactly. Good. I'm glad we don't know what we're talking about. That is oh, the point. And we just lost half our subscriber base. <laughs> right. Oh, Click. screw this. Yeah. There was a great disturbance in the force. Yeah, yeah. As people left the uh, the internet because to avoid us. So the, there have been, yes, there have been these generals, but there haven't been any auditions in mm-hmm. in the truest sense. Like I haven't I haven't been called into any to any rooms to to audition for anybody. So yeah. um, <clears throat> now that would, like I said, that would be the the big down. The one sort of, I don't know, light at the end of the tunnel with with that fact is that I uh, I was going to save this for later in the episode as a as a thank you and shout out, but I had lunch with uh, longtime podcast listener Matt Bailey, yeah yeah the other day awesome and he is awesome by the way yeah super generous uh really nice just you know, is, is, is taking time to help me out basically. And that's one of the, you know, um, reasons I want to, wanted to mention him on the podcast, but he even mentioned that he's gone out like maybe once mm-hmm. or something in the past three weeks. And then another, uh, friend of mine who was in Heather's said the same thing. Yeah. So well- apparently it's quote unquote slow. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember who who was it, Trev, that we interviewed. You interviewed them. Yeah. That was like it's it's never slow. That's uh, like BS. Yeah. yeah, that was Kevin Sorbo, and yeah. and uh, he, you know, Kevin Sorbo uh, echoed what David Lawrence said all the way back in episode twelve, which was I don't I don't know that David said this on the air, but I know this is like a philosophy of, of his. This is like the the whole like slow argument is something that he doesn't believe in, uh, and of course, you know, Kevin Sorbo said he doesn't either. So my next question for you was going to be like. Uh, if it's slow and like just nobody's casting anything right now, um, wh- what what do you what kind of like other tactics are you employing to kind of keep things moving for yourself? <clears throat> well, I'm I'm it's the it's the setting the dominoes thing, right? You know, I I mean I'm I'm continuing to set dominoes. I've got uh I've got a short film project in in the works. Really. That yeah, um, my buddy. Oh, you you know uh, Eric Middleman. Yeah, uh, I love Eric. Yeah, he he's he's been around a very long time. Producer, 
writer, director. He wants to start getting into more narrative stuff, and so he's got an idea for a feature and wants to shoot this short film as a way of you know proof of concept, essentially, awesome. and um, and wants me to um, to star in it, actually. So um, you know that's something that's going on in LA. We don't. I don't know. There's no like shoot dates for it yet or anything. But he's he's got. He's friends with um, Ice T's manager, and so cool. Ice T is actually on board to executive produce. What? And yeah, no and, way. Um, and what's the other cool thing? Oh, so you know they shoot SVU here. Yeah. So he is going to show my quote-unquote audition tapes to Ice T's manager. Huh. And if he can get him excited, he'll be like, "Hey, you know, you should you should get this guy in the room over at SVU." Qu- "Quote unquote and audition tapes." Is this? Did you put yourself on tape for this specifically, or are you? I'm, like- I, w- I will be. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. he sent he sent me some sides because he wants to do things sort of uh, legitimately. Cool. But yeah, he uh, he enrolled a a financier. He got um, a, a nice sized budget for a for a short film, a really nice sized budget. This this. This guy was like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll invest in your project," That's just awesome. from just from simply you know talking, essentially doing the same thing that I'm doing, like being honest about what it is that you're up to and and being honest about what it is that you that you need. That's so, great. That's impressive too, because short films typically do not make money uh, unless it's part of or a have a budget to of, begin with. Yeah, or like have a budget zero to begin zero capital. Yeah, unless it's part of a larger project or it's a pitch for a feature version or there's some other kind of step to it. <clears throat> Um, then you know, then it becomes a kind of a piece of the puzzle. But but uh, getting you know significant financing for a short is is an impressive feat in itself. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's it, he is cranking on on all cylinders right now, and it's it's really right. cool. So you know, it, it's just about continue like like I said, continuing to set up dominoes. That's all I really I I, I can do. I mean, I'm in communication with my. My manager, um, I sent her a list of shows that I found on, you know, the uh, equity call board. Um, and I'm, you know, Matt Bailey is even helping me out in, in finding, um, you know, uh, agents that might be interested out here in New York. So I've just got my, you know, there's a lot of irons in the fire and uh, seeing seeing what sticks or, or seeing, you know, how I can create the next the next the next step the next thing that's great man you know i i feel like an acting career is a lot like learning a new skill and like the, there's a there's books out there that talk about the process of learning uh and mastering something and it's usually you know a really kind of quick burst of activity and improvement at the beginning and then there's a long stretch of where you know you're showing up every day you're doing your thing whether it's learning the guitar or learning a language or whatever and it seems like nothing's happening and it can be weeks to months to sometimes even years. And then if you just stick with it long enough, there's another big breakthrough and you jump up a level, like a total like like quantum leap in ability or results. And then that's followed by another kind of long stretch of, uh, of where it seems like nothing's happening. But, you know, those dominoes are being set up, those seeds are being planted, things are being watered. And I feel like if you just stick with it, that breakthrough is is coming. I mean, it has to. If you take five, if you leave San Francisco and you're headed to Los Angeles, and you take five steps every day, you're gonna get there eventually. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So so kudos, man. That's so cool. I had no idea you were doing a short film, and you said you had not much to talk about this week. <laughs> I want to hear it. I don't. Well, that I mean, it's bullshit. You know, okay. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not really angry. <laughs> I was acting. You sound so angry. <laughs> Damn that rap music. <laughs> <laughs> So we got an email from listener Keenan Falk, who was actually uh, our patron of the week just just recently, and it's a very cool email because it's it's not just a question, but it's like a, a, a celebration and a reason a, a reason to celebrate. The the question itself is a reason to celebrate. Uh, he even starts off the email by saying, "Like I'm excited to finally be in this position where this question is is necessary." So he found a great resource, which he doesn't include in the email. So Keenan, uh, let us know what this great resource is for local casting calls and just got cast as a supporting role in an independent film. So congratulations, man. That's really, really cool. And he said, uh, we're shooting a trailer this weekend and then we're going to shoot the, the film actually starting in the middle of September. And then he says, there are a couple of things I was planning on auditioning for in the meantime, but I can't help but feel that I should focus on the role that I currently have. Should I go out for these other roles? Should I be more picky about the ones I go out for? Should I just focus on what I have going on right now? What do you guys think? Well, Trevor, I know you responded to him via email. Yeah. And I was wondering, you know, what your thoughts were, not only in the email, but if if you had anything to sort of elaborate on. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I, I think the... The audition process is always a really valuable experience because it, you can learn so much. And the more you practice it, the better you get at it. The easier it becomes, the less kind of um, overwhelming or daunting or intimidating each each audition becomes. And, and really, I think our job as actors, are if there's a work part of it, I think the actual like most l- kind of labor-intensive part is the audition. I think our job is to audition for stuff. Mm. I know we don't really use that word a lot in the podcast, but, you know just to be clear uh the the initial meeting i think is is kind of where where the the bulk of our kind of work is so i think i think you know there's a lot to be said for focus uh our our buddy evan has said something to me a long time ago and i've mentioned this before in the show but he said uh, scattered focus equals scattered results and that really resonates with me as someone who has like 18 million things he wants to do uh there's a lot of value in focusing and really putting your your all your energies on that one thing and doing that one thing really really well and and not uh being distracted by other stuff but you can audition for stuff and not take it i mean if they offer you the role and you feel like you know what i i'm sensing that that this thing i'm involved in right now needs my full full energy and attention you can not take it you can negotiate with them to see if there's any way they can move the shoot if they're really really interested in you i mean there's a lot of ways to to go about this because while there is power in focus, work also begets work. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're being asked to make an audition for these other projects while you're working on one that you feel that you really want to invest in, this is a really good problem to have. So if it were me, I would totally rock out the auditions. 
um, you know, like a like a rock star. And I would just say, you know, like I'm working on this project right now. So if they if they wanted me, I'd say, you know, I'm working on this project right now. Uh, these are this is my standing commitment. So these are my conflicts. And if they like you, they're going to really respect uh, where you're coming from with that. They're going to respect your commitment. They're going to want to work around your schedule, and they're going to. That's probably going to make you kind of even more kind of in demand in their eyes. Yeah, I was you know? just going to. I was just about to say that. So you know, like like Keenan said, he, he's so stoked to be writing in with this question, and I think it's a fantastic problem to have. So congrats, dude, and uh, I hope you know what comes from my little corner helps. How about Absolutely. you? How about you, AJ? I, well, I agree with you 100% on everything. Uh, I would only add two little things. One is this is sort of where uh, it's great to have representation. This is where like a manager or agent would kind of step in so that you don't have to deal with the um, the, the calendar aspect of of the, the the business. You know, it's not your it's not your responsibility to sort of deal with that. Mm. So you could you go out and you just audition for whatever you know you want or whatever auditions your representation gets you. And then when it comes time for callbacks and offers and things like that, then you just sort of have them, you know, deal with it. I've even been offered roles, like you were saying, Trevor, where you get offered a role and you know, you could turn it down, but it sounds so much better when you know your manager or your agent is like oh you know what he, between the callback and this offer he booked something else mm, you know yeah. he booked he booked you know this whatever film so that's that's yeah. the one thing that i that i would say um and then the other thing i you know what i'm not even going to say it it's it's mo- it's just more rehashing kind of what you said trev about just you know not only work begets work but why not just why not get out there and 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 get yourself seen and build relationships and yeah and 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 keep keep moving forward there's no there's no reason to keep there's no reason this to to think that you're um bound by something that you book yeah yeah <clears throat> that's awesome and the delegation aspect that you brought up is so huge you know i think a lot of us as actors we you know, we're in business for ourselves. We're the CEO of our own brand. And I think that especially in 2014, where there's so much kind of focus on the DIY aspect, we think that we kind of have to be everything. And if you've got representation and whatnot, leverage the shit out of that, you know, like totally do not be afraid to delegate to them and ask them to take care of things. And they will be so happy to invest in your career. If you kind of approach it like that, if you just literally say, Hey, I'm busy. Here's stuff I need you to do. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, imagine how many actors in their rosters do that. Seriously, how many? Yeah. How much of that is just radio silence from the rest of their roster? So if you're out there doing that and asking them to take care of shit, they're they're going to be like, oh my god, you know, like Keenan's on fire. I gotta I gotta pay more attention to this guy. Yeah, he's asking yeah. me to handle like you know shoot schedules and things like. Awesome. So exactly. so yeah, the delegation aspect is huge. Exactly. Cool. That that yeah, that's it. Exactly. Amen. Um, cool. We also got uh, another email from a, a, a podcast listener, longtime podcast listener, um, Stacy. Can't remember Stacy's last name. Stacy Roberts, I think it is. And uh, Stacy writes in because her and uh, a couple of her cohorts have started a, a new uh, business that where they will f- not only find your footage but help you uh, edit together a, a reel. There are a couple of other. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, services out there that will do like the real editing, but there aren't a lot of services out there that will actually support you in finding the footage. So if you were, 
in a film or on television or, or something, they I don't I actually don't know what resources they use, but they go out and they find um, high quality or HD versions of that tape so that you can that you can then use it yeah. in your reel. And uh, they're just starting out, and she's been a longtime listener and fan of the podcast. So as a way of giving back to the community. Uh, she and the company are offering 10% off for IAP listeners, which I thought was really generous of them. So if you are uh, looking for something, a a piece of footage for yourself or or of yourself, or you need some support editing your reel, then uh, feel free to reach out to these folks. I think it's justscenes.com. Their website is on our website, and all you have to do is give them a call and mention that you are an IAP listener, and you will get 10% off. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just just to just to kind of clarify too, like this, it looks like they do really great work, and uh, totally happy to to recommend lots and lots of resources for our listeners. Um, we, you know, I, I just because we've we've kind of, hmm, how do I put this? We've kind of not come under fire, but there's been some kind of friction, sort of in the kind of sort of internal podcast community um, when we have recommended one service over another. So um, just to kind of, you know, level the playing field, there are a lot of great reel companies out there. They'll shoot reels. They'll edit reels. um, A lot of companies that can get you footage and whatnot. And this is just another great one to throw in the mix. And they're offering a discount for listeners and their listeners themselves. And they're starting up just now. And I'm sure they could use some love. So, um, you know, do your homework and go with your gut. Go with what looks like the best solution for you. But uh, definitely happy to kind of give them a shout and throw some uh, some love their way. JustScenes.com. And again, 10% off uh, if you mention the podcast. Rock and roll. Uh, rock and roll. I, I know I just repeated everything you just said, AJ, but I, I just wanted to <laughs> kind of no, I put love, that frame I love, around it. Absolutely. I love yeah. the clarification, especially since, uh, yeah, there has been some like, well, hang on a second. Like, you know, uh, there's this service and this service and this service. And I'm sure longtime listeners know that we're not, we are definitely not interested in selling out. And, uh, you know, we, we do our best to vet everything that comes our way, including, or I guess I should say, especially our guests. Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, hopefully you guys know that and, and trust us and, um, you know, maybe we can fight for you to get some discounts every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Man, you know, all you all you really have in this industry is your work and your reputation, and they go hand in hand. And so when we say mm. stuff like that, when we say, like, you know, we're not going to sell out, that's not like lip service. Like, we really do fight to be as um, kind of, kind of um, honest and authentic and true and um, you know, uh, even, I guess is possible. Um, because you know, it, it's, it's our reputational line. We don't want to have a reputation for being like, you know, biased jerks, mm, you know, mm-hmm. we try to, you know, f- strike that balance between, uh, where our authenticity and our truth lies and what we feel is, is a good choice when it comes to something versus giving, uh, you know, as much love as possible to everybody out there. Who's also fighting the good fight. So. Truth. Damn. Yeah. Laying it down, Trevor Algon. Mic drop. Laying it down. Dropping yeah. the attic here. All right. So shall we roll into uh, part two? With- um, cool. Yeah, so this is part two of my interview with uh, Ryan Carton. More good stuff uh, coming your way, so uh, check it out.
there's another sort of glossary term that I want to hit, you know, because we do have a lot of people that uh, either are just starting out or aren't in major markets, which is you, you use the term quote, mm-hmm. which we don't, I don't think, we may have talked about it on the podcast before, but essentially it's the amount of money that they're willing to pay you on, on the, whatever the, that contract is, whether right. it's a job you booked or in this case, actually, I don't know if I knew that you could use test <clears throat> contracts and or I knew that you had to sign a contract before you went into the test, but I didn't know that um, you could actually use those quotes as as leverage. But that, that's how, that's how much money they were going to pay you, right? You know, right. So I, I it makes it makes sense now that I've heard you say yeah. it, but I just never thought of it that way. So I'm I'm, I'm going <coughs> to just pretend that these numbers are real in my life, even though they aren't. So let's say <laughs> let's use, say use millions. That I'm, people yeah, I'm, will I'm know. going. No, I'm going to. <coughs> so let let le- let's say that you know you 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 test for a TV show and they're like, okay, I'm going to give you 1.5 million an episode. Um, <laughs> I just, I literally just drooled. Um, so if, if you, if you test, they, your quote is 1.5 million. You don't book it. You, you, you still get a copy of that contract. Whether you book it or not, that contract is still a valid documentation um, of, of the, the, the number that this production company, this network, this studio has decided you're worth. So cut to a year later, you're testing for a different show. And they say, all right, we're going to pay you $500,000 an episode. You can turn back around and say, okay, my quote for this show was $1.5 million. They might not give you $1.5 million, but after seeing that number, there's a really good chance they'll bump you up to one. You know? Yeah. Um, so well, because the fact of the matter is that they may lose you because if someone was willing to pay you that much... It's like you could pass on a particular gig and just say, well... You're not paying me enough. Thanks, but no thanks. If you're not paying me enough, I'll keep auditioning, and someone eventually will be willing to pay right. me that much. Um, and, again, without, without using actual numbers, you know, the, the, the difference between what I... So, I did, like I said, I just tested for the show on the Sci-Fi Network. What I would have made without the quote versus... What they counteroffered me after we showed them what my old quote was it was it was a margin of ten thousand dollars a week. So the, the, like the, there was there was that drastic of a difference from from them just saying like okay this is just what we offer people to being like okay but this is what this guy is worth. Mm-hmm. You know you you can you can really you can really drive people up. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I want to talk about Royal Pains, but we can't talk about Royal Pains before without talking about Liv and Maddie. Right, right. We have to uh, go in order. We have to go in order chronologically. Uh, but no, I know that <clears throat> that opportunity sort of came from the fact that you tested for a Disney pilot prior to that. But what was that? What was that process like? Well, again, okay. So just because this is how crazy the world works. Judy Taylor is the senior executive vice president of casting at Disney. She sings in a choir with Nancy Kramer, my manager. Oh my god! So when I went in for the the pilot was called the pilot was called Zombies and Cheerleaders. Yay! Um, Sounds amazing. Why didn't they get made? I I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm under contract not to say. <laughs> Um, 
so when I went in for that, Judy Taylor was like, "Nancy, what? Like you, you manage this guy? Like, I, I, how, oh my goodness! Like I didn't know that you know this was a client, whatever. Like you know, if if you like him, obviously I'm going to like him. You know, we're friends, whatever. But like those kind of crazy, you know, side relationships do play a factor. So the fact of the matter was, Judy Taylor knew me because of Nancy because they sang in this choir together. Um, so obviously when I when I tested, she she knew to look out for me, and she really liked what she saw. Um, but the execs on the project just wanted to go another way. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, she remembered me. Um, and so, you know, and basically any time, you know, Nancy would be on breakdowns, which is sort of the, the, the hub of where casting directors post um, things for actors to come in on. If she would see anything Disney-related, she would email Judy Taylor and be like, do you think Ryan would be good for this? Um, and so Judy Taylor believed in my ca- talent. Eventually I saw one of, um, or I met with one of Disney's main casting offices, um, which is Suzanne Goddard-Smith and Sheila Guthrie, um, who also casted Heather's musical. Mm-hmm. Um, Sheila was just on the podcast, actually. Oh, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Um, terrific women and so unbelievably bright. Um, and I, I went into their casting office and, and they really loved me too. And so eventually after, after, you know, five or six auditions, I had a couple people in the Disney realm who knew my name and believed in my talent. That being said, um, you know, I was in final callbacks for five or six guest stars on different shows, none of which I booked. Um, you know, obviously I tested for that pilot that I didn't book. I was I was in and out for a lot of different pilots and, you know, a couple different characters and a couple different shows. You know, I, I, I probably auditioned for like 10 or 15 Disney-related projects, but that is how it works, you know. And, and you know, sort of being inexperienced as I was, I thought that it was to my disadvantage that I kept going in and not booking things, but the fact of the matter is having people believe in your talent, they know the longer, you know, they, they, they understand the bigger picture better than you do. And so they, they were, they were saving me for the right one. Um, and when, when Diggy came around, I, I was, I was very late for my appointment. I, I ran in to Sheila and Suzanne's office, like as they were locking the doors they're like, oh my god, Like we didn't think that you were coming. And I read it like half out of breath, and it was raining outside, and it was like a very dramatic situation. <laughs> um, and Sheila gave me like a thousand notes, but said, you know, we like you, so come back for callbacks. Um, I came back in for the callback, and it was one of those things where you go in, you do the audition, and then everyone they ask everyone to wait. So they cycle through the 20 diggies that they were auditioning, and then they called in three people that they wanted to see again, and I wasn't one of them. And I was like, well, you know, didn't book that one. They didn't mm-hmm. call me in again. Um, which, for those of you who are just getting started, that's crap. That doesn't mean anything. Um, but just sometimes that means that they did a piss-poor job, and the casting director feels bad and wants to give them another chance. So... Never read into anything. You never know what's going on in the room. I digress. Then I was called for the chemistry test. Um, 
and it was it was with um, the lead girl Dove, who is now my girlfriend. Um, and uh, I, I started giggling to myself. I'm wondering if you're going to say that. I went in for I went in for the chemistry read with your girlfriend. Well, but but the really wasn't wasn't your girlfriend then. I get it. But wasn't my girlfriend then? No, but but the really funny thing is, and she knows that I feel this way. Uh, she was such a brat that day, man. Like, she she was, I mean, because, you know, listen, she was the lead of the show, and it was a chemistry test, and, it, like, she got to call the shots. It was, like, the all, you know, these, these six, you know, teenage boy actors, the fate of their lives was in her hands, and, like, she fully admits, it was like, yeah, it was fun, but I just thought she was so snotty and so pretentious, <laughs> and so, and so all of these... All like you know, there, there were six of us, I think, and five of them, like literally, it was like Dove, and then they were just all in a circle around her, and all of their noses were so far up her ass, you could barely see their necks, and I was like literally like in the corner, being all James Dean, like you know, leaning against the wall with my foot up, like you know, looking down and trying to be too cool. There was literally a moment where Dove said something that I just thought was so preposterous, and I scoffed at her, and she turns to me and goes, "Oh, it does make noise." Wow, and that was the moment I knew that I was going to book this because I was just like, I'm going to give this girl the ride of her lifetime. So we we go into the casting office already, kind of having hated each other, and there are the executive producers, Andy Fickman, our director, Sheila, and Suzanne, the casting directors, and I gave the most like sensual, like sexy performance Disney Channel has ever seen. It was this, like, really stupid, cheesy, you know, Disney Channel love scene, but I turned it into, like, hand-holding and, like, being really close, and I did that whole thing where I looked down and then just looked up with my eyes. You know, all all of those stupid tricks. And, oh, I saw it. I saw it in Dove's eyes. I saw her eyes flutter a little bit. I, I, I know for a fact that, that when I walked out of that room that, that I had her crushing on me, and that's exactly what I wanted because I was just so mad at her for being so pretentious. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was like such a, a power trip that we were going through. Um, and <laughs> the way that she tells the story, which is absolutely hilarious, is that like I left the casting room and she's just like, damn it. <laughs> like He's the one and I hate him. Um, but it was, it was, it was just, it was just such a crazy experience because like I said, that first audition was such a rush. The second audition, I already thought I didn't get it. The third audition, I was just dealing with this girl that I thought that I hated, which, you know, as it obviously always turns out, I really just loved and, um, God, it was a nuts experience. And then the worst part was, you know, I went home and Nancy called and she was like, okay, you know, it's between you and two other guys. I was like, sweet. She was like, we'll probably know tomorrow. Tomorrow was Thursday. So Thursday I wake up. Oh, you know, they're still deliberating. We'll probably know tomorrow. Got a call on Friday. Okay, we know it's between you and one other guy, but they still need time. They don't work on the weekend, so you'll know on Monday. Got a call on Monday. Mm, Not really looking your way. And then I got a call on Tuesday. It's you. So it was like literally the... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven most stressful days, like, of my entire life waiting for that news. Because, you know, it's one of those things where even if the answer is no, you just want to know the answer. Right. And I was at a point in my career where I was real poor and really, really needed that job. Um, and, you know, now now I've gotten a lot better about 
you know, just sort of letting it go and whatever happens, happens and understanding that, you know, everything is really ultimately a win-win. But at the time, I was just very much in the headspace of, I need this job, give me this job, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And it was it was so emotionally draining. Um, but then finally... And, and, you know, also just because the journey, like I said, was... It was so much more than just the Live and Maddie audition. You know, I auditioned for so many things with them. To finally get in the door with Disney was, was a big... You know, things came full circle. The reason I came out to Los Angeles in the first place was because of an experience with Disney, and then mm-hmm. I finally booked with them. Yeah, so. it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of interesting poetry in your <clears throat> in your journey, yeah, in your career with Nancy and Disney. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. Um, the I know it's important to you, so I want to give you an opportunity to talk about um, your music. Hmm. And, you know, it seems like an appropriate time considering you are doing that with Dove now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is, how, how has music played a part in your artistic career, your artistic life? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been singing forever um, in musical theater mostly. And... Singing somebody else's words and somebody else's music is there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing like musical theater. There's nothing like it. It's it's so fun. You know, singing in in the context of a character. You know, creating real things out of imaginary circumstances through song. It does not get better than that. Um, I picked up a guitar when I was in sixth grade. And I've been playing ever since, and I don't really know what got me writing songs, um, but I started I started writing my own music, and you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Well, who, who am I kidding? Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade. They were just all about girls. <laughs> um, but needless to say, I loved it, and I re- and I really enjoyed singing my own music there's something so vulnerable about that but something so therapeutic of like these are my feelings these aren't me just expressing a character's feelings these are literally my feelings this is literally my music Um, and so you know acting is something that I've been fortunate enough to be consistently doing on a professional level since I was very young um Music, however, has always sort of been that that dream of mine that I didn't actually necessarily have any guarantee that I'd realize. Um, and when I moved out to L.A. and things slowed down a little bit at first before I started booking things consistently, I decided to focus a lot more energy into writing some tunes. Um, I ended up hooking up with this dude that I went to high school with who ended up moving to California as well who is a ve- who's a very talented cinematographer and uh, with his help I, you know, I would write songs I would go over to his house he would have like a, you know, three camera shoot set up and we'd, um, we'd record little um, live 
uh, recordings of some of my songs, and you know, I'm, I'm not even close to a YouTube star. They get like three thousand hits. Um, but I felt like I was doing something. I felt like I was doing something. You know, I wasn't just writing in my room. I was I was putting it out there, and people were listening. And even though the response wasn't overwhelming, it was always positive. People really liked my music, and just on an artistic human soul level that felt really good um, but there, there's something about it with me that I just I really I really want um, I really want people to hear my music you know um, cut to um, Dove and, and, and dating her and obviously Disney is all about cultivating these gigantic well-rounded multifaceted careers um, and so she signed with this terrific music manager um, and was was kind of doing a lot of things that I obviously had a lot of ambitions about doing and you know I, I sort of picked her brain about it and, and you know from the sidelines very intently watched some of the things that she was doing um, you know and she has she has a music video that she did with Disney that has like five million views on YouTube like just astronomical crazy amazing stuff that she's doing um, and I was just, I was just so, I don't know, I was just so curious, and I was so intrigued and enthralled, and and uh, obviously a little bit envious. Um, and interestingly enough, we we were out to sushi one night here in New York. She was visiting me when I was still on contract with Heather's, and we were just sort of joking around because Dove and I obviously work together on Live and Maddie and we love working together. Um, and we, we, we wrote, we wrote a song together and we also did a mashup of a couple Jason Mraz and Colby Collette songs that we put on YouTube that have been very well received as far as viewers go. Um, and we loved, we loved writing, um, and collaborating together. And, I don't know why I did it, but I sort of suggested the idea of, like, God, it would be really cool if we started a band. And it was sort of one of those moments where I said it, it hung in the air, we looked at each other, and we were like, wait, we should actually maybe do that. Mm. Um, and so together with um, Nancy Kramer, my, manage- my manager, uh, my marketing and publishing strategist, whose name is Danny Kastner, uh, her music manager, her agent, and obviously me and Dove, we started strategizing and started figuring out if this was something that was possible. Um, and so, lo and behold, uh, we, we went into the studio and just sort of put a few things down just to kind of sample our sounds and sent them to a few producers. And, you know, Molly started pitching up. Molly is, music, is our music manager, started pitching us to um, some people. And our band, Vignette, was born. Um, we don't have any content out there yet because obviously the minute that we decided this was something we wanted to do, I booked Royal Pains, she booked Descendants, and we got busy again. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, it's 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 something that um, that we're both unbelievably excited about. Um, you know, and obviously we we have we have a good fan base with with the the Disney Channel fans uh, who tune in and watch us every Sunday night and so we're feeling good about um, about being able to 
get people to you know pick up the phone and buy the concert tickets or buy the mm-hmm. album when when that stuff starts to happen. Um, you know, when when we write, it's me, her, and a guitar, so it has a lot of kind of folksy singer songwriter elements. There's obviously a big um, pop influence to it, just because that's what the twelve year olds like to listen to, and that's fine. Um, we know who we're writing for. Um, and then the other crazy thing is that growing up, Dub and I listened to a lot of jazz, and so kind of by accident, some jazz elements sneak into our music as well. But um, we we love writing, and 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 we're really excited to to get to work on that. You know, vignette is just very much in the preliminary stages, but but um, I. I can say with with great confidence and also with a huge overwhelming sense of gratitude that um, the music side of things is 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 a, a pretty good possibility of actually happening now, which is which is just really excited as someone who's been dreaming of that um, for a very long time. There's been an ongoing conversation on the podcast, especially recently that we've talked about with and without our guests about the idea of being um, <clears throat> well we've also t- we've, we've always talked about the idea of, of uh, multi-hyphenates people who do mm-hmm. you know writer, director, actor or what have you but um, recently there's been a, a sort of a ongoing conversation about not just being in the film and television or theater uh, area of art, but also in other areas as well, like music. Or uh, we had an aerialist on wow. on the podcast. We, you know, just it, 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 people who are just multifaceted artists in general. And the conversation is sort of the question of, well, <clears throat> if I put my focus all in one area, I will get better results. Or, if I put my focus in all of these different areas, I make myself a better artist, and therefore, I get better results. We're not saying, we have never said that there's one right way, but I'm curious to hear your take on it, especially knowing the way that your mind looks at, you know, your life as a professional, your life as it pertains to your personal life, uh, your life as an artist, as a creative person. What's your, what's your sort of take on that? Like is is acting like you said you got busy you you both booked jobs now so now you're focused on on that and not doing the music is do you feel like your acting is pulling you away from your music right now do you feel like when you're focused on your music it pulls you away from acting or do you feel like it's all part of the same pot like what's your what's your sort of take on the spreading of your focus over many artistic avenues versus focusing on one particular thing that's a, a, that's an amazing question. Sociologically speaking, I think if you look at our society right now, what with all of the kind of self-help books that are hitting the number one, two, three, four, five spots on the charts and stuff, and all of that, you know, I, people are very desperate right now for the answer, and um, being being a very um, keen observer of like I said, kind of sociological movements, I'll call them. You know, my curiosity peaked and I picked up a couple of these books. 
And the more research I find as far as what people are kind of saying the answer is to questions like this, you know, how, how should I split my focus? How, like, what's the, what, what's the best mentality to hold? Um, you know, how, how, how should I, how should I be living my life to guarantee that I'll see the results, you know, that I want to see? And, um, one of, one of the best things that I found is that, you know, oftentimes the best way to deal with the problem is to ignore it. Um, and by, I mean, and by that, I mean, you know, if, if I feel like I'm not booking, I can go in one of two directions. I can start, you know, printing out monologues and practicing them all day in my apartment and going over my sides 9,000 times and making sure my performance is absolutely flawless and, you know, completely meticulously thought out and I have every beat drawn and I can call my manager and my agents and be like, get me every single appointment and I, I, I just, I need to be working. Why am I not booking? You know, or I can say, okay, I'm not booking right now. And I can pick up my guitar and I can write a few songs and I can focus on my relationship with my girlfriend. I can go get a cat. I can go make sure that I'm going to the gym. I can learn new recipes I found that ignoring the issue oftentimes gives the universe, God, the energies that be, whatever you believe in, it gives the world room to do the work that you're trying to do. And sometimes it's your job, and sometimes it's not. Um, So what I've always found is that if I'm putting all of my energy into something and I'm not getting anything back, now's not the time. Hmm. And that's okay. And everything happens for a reason. My one of my one of my biggest heartbreaks, I was I I auditioned for once on Broadway to play Andre. And when I when I got the call, it was literally like, We wanna have you out to New York, we're gonna have you just sing a couple songs in front of our creative team. Um, and then I don't know if you've if you've seen once for our listeners, but it's you know everyone plays their own instruments, um, and so you know they they had me come in and play guitar, drums, bass, a little bit of piano, some ukulele for them, and so you know it was a big music session, big song session, and they literally said it's it's between you and no one else. We we just want to meet you, but you basically have this part. And I flew to New York and I did the audition, and I never heard from them, and I was devastated. And then two months later, I booked Liv and Maddie, which was one of the most defining moments of my career so far. And I met my fantastic, amazing, wonderful girlfriend and so far life partner in Dove Cameron. Um, And, you know, had I booked once, I would probably wouldn't even know that she exists. And I and I wouldn't have, you know, these these amazing fans and this amazing sort of Disney family that I've that I've just so fallen in love with and, and, and have learned to truly lean on in, in some certain very difficult scenarios in my life. Point being, you know, I think it's so funny how many people know exactly what they want um, when, in fact, no one knows even half of what's out there. Um, and... 
I am I am a big um, preacher of of trust in like I said the powers that be whatever you believe in even if it's just the universal shifts of the cosmos you know just that if something isn't going the way that you want it to go it's not supposed to be going anywhere um, and so if 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 you're if you are an actor and you are experiencing a dry spell with your acting that doesn't mean that you're a bad actor it just means that the perfect opportunity for you is forthcoming it's just not here yet um, and and that those are the times that I pick up the guitar or that I like I said learn new recipes or um, there was there was one time where I wasn't booking very much and I started learning how to do card tricks you know just just anything you know just putting your energy somewhere else until you were so distracted that you forgot that you were sad that you weren't booking anyway and then guess what the auditions start rolling in and so I I don't think seeing yourself thin I just think it's increasing your surface area to be hit by something wow that is what we call a yeah mic drop right that is what we call a knowledge bomb on the podcast <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> while you were away, <laughs> while you were away, Trevor became a vampire <laughs> from a 1930s horror film. Oh, damn. I was supposed to be Russian or something. Uh, <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I uh, hope you guys dug part two of AJ's chat with Ryan McCartan. Uh, I Like last week, I, I have not had a chance to hear this second part yet, but I trust it was brilliant. Um, I, uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to, to, uh, your chat with him. It sounds like a, a really great perspective that we haven't had on the show yet. And I loved, loved, loved the first section, especially that last bit he talked about, uh, in last episode about, uh, testing and the value of testing, uh, mm-hmm. even if you're not cast and, you know, it just really resonates with everything we've been talking about on the podcast. And whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm like, sweet, we're on the right track. <laughs> ah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, really good stuff. It's great. I mean, you know, there's some stuff that that didn't uh, w- won't make it on air, basically, and it's it's because it's you know some some personal stuff, what's going on, you know, in his personal life, all good things. But you know, I didn't want to I didn't want him to share anything that he wasn't comfortable sharing. But I will just say this: like for someone who has who is as young as he is, the way that he looks at his life and his future, and the way that he wants to you know set up his his life it's it's just he you know he we, we get into it especially in part three we really get into the you know thoughts become things yeah philosophy which he very much is a is a believer in and it's so apparent he's it's he's got this weird sense of confidence that i don't think i've ever experienced from any other 21 year old in my life where <clears throat> he just he knows what he wants, and he has this belief that it's going to happen. And so far, he's been right. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! So it's uh, it's it's really cool. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've said this in the show before too, but almost every successful person that I've either sat down on the podcast with, or that I've read about, or seen an interview with, they've all said at one point some variation on the theme of "I always knew it was going to happen." Mm. It was just a matter of how and when. Mm-hmm. And that that so I think that's a common theme among among really successful people is that first and foremost before anything else they just believe that it's that it's going to happen that it's coming 
Yeah. And uh, that changes everything. I mean, if you want to get into the new, the really new age woo-woo stuff and, you know, vibrational, you know, all that fun stuff, that that uh, that's probably one of the most, that's probably more important than anything else is just believing that it's happening. Wow. Yeah. And that, ev- you, and that everything in your life is kind of taking you a step closer to it. I really believe, uh, I believe that the belief is something to believe in. <laughs> Do you believe? I... I completely buy into this this kind of philosophy, and you're still baking my noodle right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do here. We bake noodles. Some, something about something about the way it's hitting me right now. I don't know. Cool, cool, man. What's your uh, What's your pick of the week, my friend? My pick of the week. My pick of the week is uh, a, a, a photo app. I know that you know Instagram is a thing, and um, there's a lot of photo apps. <laughs> Instagram <up. laughs> is a thing. <laughs> you know, it I was, is a thing. I, I was very good, Trevor. Yeah, it, you know, thank you. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so so this is a, another photo app in the kind of vein of Instagram, where you can take photos and then just kind of really add some cool filters and effects and things like that. Except this one's like super ridiculously mega awesome. It's called Ogle, and that's O G G L. And the website is ogle.com, which just redirects you to hipstamatic.com slash ogle. So you guys may or may not be familiar with Hipstamatic. It's like one of the very first kind of photo apps that came out for uh, iOS, iPhone, back in the day when the iPhone was kind of new. And it was uh, a, a really cool way to just take really kind of neat retro photographs. And it was a little clunky and you were a little limited in what you could do. But I think they found a really nice middle ground between their original philosophy of, of taking photos and the kind of Instagram world of, of manipulating photos after the fact. So <laughs> what I like about Ogle is that not only are the filters and effects just absolutely gorgeous, but the community around it is a lot of like really like legit photographers. Like one of their, their kind of marketing things is, is hashtag make it beautiful. And, and the photos are just gorgeous. And, and I find that a lot of people who are just really committed to just taking gorgeous photos and, and putting beautiful work out into the world, that's kind of where, this is where they gather uh, when it comes to like the, you know, iPhoneography movement. And I love Instagram and I think Instagram's great, but it's also kind of become so popular that so much of Instagram is like selfies and pictures of sunsets and pictures of your food. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's great. And there's plenty of that on Ogle as well. But something about it is just super mega awesome gorgeous. And so I highly recommend it. It's a free app. uh, And I recommend becoming a, I forget what they call it. They call it like a supporter or a premier member or something. It's like three bucks for three months or $10 for a year. And you have access to all their films and all their uh, lenses and all the different effects that you can add on your photos. And uh, it's just awesome. So Ogle.com. That's link, crazy. Link on our website, yeah. You know what that reminds me of is, and I should have made, or maybe I did make this my pick of the week a long time ago, but the Chase Jarvis book, The Best Camera, is the one that you have with you. Yeah, I love that book. Um, and, you know, because I'm looking at the pictures on the website, and they just look so beautiful, and that's exactly what he does. He just takes his iPhone and made just, like, the most beautiful pictures with with his iPhone and then just put you know compiled them into this into this book with a you know some words about you know how he did it or his thoughts on art and life and all yeah. kinds of stuff it, 
uh, it's really cool. So I will definitely be downloading that app later today. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. You can follow. I, I mean, I think there's a way to like search for your friends or find your friends. There's there's not like a, a page you can go to like there is on Instagram. You know, on Instagram you can go to Instagram.com/slash you know whatever your username is to actually see that person's kind of photos. I don't think they have something like that for Ogle, um, but you can find people in the app. Okay. Yeah. So uh, when you sign up, dude, find me and we'll, we'll be buddies. Oh, buddies. Ogle buddies. I'll ogle we'll, you. We'll ogle each other. Ogle I will each ogle other. This. Oh, man, this is going to get dirty fast. <laughs> going to? <laughs> uh, uh, too late. What is your pick of the week? My pick of the Well, you know what my pick of the week is because you've actually already read it. Um, so good. <clears throat> so good. My pick of the week is... Mutant Message Down Under, which is a book by Marlo Morgan. Crazy thing about this book is actually, it was one of the crazy things about this book is it's actually written in 1994, and yet the message is timeless. Mm. It is, I, I, it's been on my list, my quote unquote list of things to read for quite a while, and I'm so glad I picked it up. I, blew through probably like the first half of the book in just a couple of days and I'm I'm not, I haven't quite finished it yet but I was I was only a few chapters in and I said this book cannot be explained it must be experienced I love and that. I already knew that I wanted to make it my pick of the week so that's actually all I'm really going to say about it okay because because I really do feel like it is the kind of book that needs to be experienced yeah, I was, I was going to ask and, if you wanted to tell people what it was about, but I kind of like that, uh, you know, maybe you should just uh, start off kind of going in blind. It, honestly, people can people can read, you know, plenty of stuff. It's been around for so long and it's such a celebrated book that people can read plenty of stuff about it online if they are that kind of person that wants to get a lot of information before going into something. I totally get it. And if you're the kind of person that just, you know, is willing to, to dive in head first, totally blind, then... Uh, I, I would recommend that as well because it is just it's it, it it really is a it is a journey in the literal and metaphysical sense. Yeah. So um, you know, I I definitely recommend it. Oh, and I just found out from Trevor before we started recording that there's actually a a a sequel, which I did not know. So Yeah. Mutant um, message I'm, from forever is the sequel. Uh, sequel. I don't know if it's like a sequel because there's not really a, a story or a clear cut sort of narrative. I mean, it is, but there kind of isn't. The book's not about the narrative um, that she writes about. So there's the sequel, you know, quote unquote, is is more like just an expansion on the ideas. Mm. But um, I, I actually enjoyed the first book a little more. Um, not to say the second book wasn't brilliant. But yeah, um, really good stuff. And it's interesting, too, because in the, in the beginning of the book, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, AJ, but I think she says something like, something like, these events happened, and I know a lot of people don't believe me, and for some reason she can't publish this as like a non-fiction biographical piece, and so it's up to the reader to basically decide for themselves whether or not they think it happened. Is yes. That correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's that's correct. And, and, you know, part of it is that the the events are really unbelievable part of it is that she um specifically wants to protect the people that she's writing about Mm -hmm. um so there yeah and she says it in uh yeah the introduction to the book so it it's right there in the first couple pages you'll you'll understand what trevor and i are are talking about right now yeah good book definitely on the uh 
required reading <coughs> for IAP list. <laughs> awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, actually, we've had listeners uh, request that we take all our picks of the week or do a, like a, re- a suggested reading type of list and just put it all in one place. And as part of our ongoing efforts to just sort of like make all this information kind of digestible, uh, you know, we've got a couple things kind of slowly in the works. I think that's something we'll we'll probably do. Just have a, a nice list of books that we think are game changers. Yeah, it's been probably one of the most requested, uh, I guess you'd say, features of the podcast yeah yeah so. i dig that that's it you know we should yeah we'll, we'll get on that that's a good idea <laughs> cool you've been awesome. reading a lot man I, i'm really I, I love it i love uh i love it man you've got this is like your third or fourth book you've picked in the past month or two yeah thanks yeah. man it, it's uh i think something about like having the show close and wanting to you know be a better human being mm. and that combine that with the the long train you know subway rides from from time to time you're you're on the and you know what really inspired me was you can get the kindle app on like every device including your phone so i could at any time just pull out my phone and instead of like checking you know facebook or going and looking at my email or something like that i would open the kindle app instead and read yeah so it's been it's been pretty cool kick ass yeah yeah awesome so we have a, a listener pick. It's kind of a revamp, a re, huh, a redux of a previous listener pick. But the good thing about this is you can actually participate this time. So Jamie Hansen wrote in telling us about the Global Meditation for Peace a while back. And the date had passed by the time we started recording. So I talked about it, or we talked about it, but it, you couldn't actually participate in it. Well, there's another one coming up. These are all sort of, I don't know what the word is, scheduled and organized by this uh, com- this organization called Unify. Unify.org is their website. And September 21st, they're holding a global meditation for peace. There's two ways to participate. Um, <clears throat> you can basically gather at noon in your own personal time zone, time zone to be a part of what they're calling the Be the Peace Wave. So you just meditate at noon wherever you are, and in that way, there will be essentially a wave of peace that circles the globe for 24 hours. And then uh, there's they're also doing a uh, a sort of unified world peace meditation at uh, 1900 Greenwich Mean Time, which would be like noon Pacific, um, 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, so anyway, all the information is on their website, unified.org. But, um, you know, once again, like like we talked about the last time we brought up the Global Meditation for Peace, there's a lot of crazy, 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 crazy stuff going on in the world. Yeah. And, um, and you know, sometimes we can, as artists, we can feel uh, either a little helpless or a little like our art doesn't necessarily directly impact this kind of thing and so uh, in addition to making art that we feel like might impact the earth or or humanity in a positive way this is another way that we can participate in that sort of positive energy yeah god i have so much to say about this but i'm i'm gonna just leave it be for now um i will say this 
I have a list of affirmations that I go through every morning, and one of them that resonated with me the moment I found it, and that I have just been have have had on repeat in my head for months and months and months. It's just a truth, and that that affirmation is that which I send out comes back to me multiplied. And uh, when it comes to what we do as artists, you know, if we're not here to heighten awareness, uh, heighten a, a you know, and, and foster a compassion for the human spirit. If that's not what we're doing with our art, then what are we doing? And something like this is just another beautiful, wonderful way to contribute to the awareness <clears throat> and the sort of healing and the, the compassion in the world. And if that which we send out comes back to us multiplied, uh, what better way than to participate in a movement like this? And, you know, shit, don't wait for September 21st. Start today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Know? This is, yeah, this is just, this is just one sort of communal thing, but you can, you meditate right now. Just yeah. Press yeah. pause. We'll wait. And, there, and there's so many we'll studies, and back. so many like studies and things that are, that are showing that, that prayer, uh, you know, meditation, prayer, call it whatever you want. Um, we're not, we're not, um, you know, do a nodding to any particular kind of belief system or anything. But there's, there's a lot of studies that show that that has tangible physical effects in the real world. In fact, there are studies that show that our thoughts can actually be measured, and they've been measured as far away as the moon. And I don't know the details of, these, of this study, but I, I'm a big fan of Jack Canfield, who wrote a book called The Success Principles, and he talks about this in that book a, a little bit. Very briefly, he touches on the idea that uh, you know our thoughts can travel like they're energy waves, and they can be detected up to 200,000 miles away in space. And if that's just one person's thought, I mean, imagine if, if a bunch of people got together. This stuff works. I mean, just, it just, it works. I know it's not, like, popular in our culture to, like, you know, you know, um, think, like, like, consider this, like, effective if we can't see and touch and feel it. But, mm-hmm. but, but goddamn, you know, like, I think the, the mystics and the tens and hundreds of thousands of years of people that came before us were on to something. <laughs> and I think our this generation is-, is a little bit uh, out of touch with, with uh, the, what really... Um, the kind of power that we have with our thoughts. So much of this is in my pick of the week. <laughs> yes, it it's is. So it's so. Yeah, it there's is, so man. much of this. There's so much of this. It's awesome. There's our homework for this week: <clears throat> read, meditate first, and then go read "Mutant Message Down Under" by Marla <laughs> Morgan. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I love that homework. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. So uh, yeah, man. So. We've got some thank you. Well, I, I already gave him a shout out, but I just wanted to thank Mr. Matt Bailey for all of his continued support. It's just been absolutely amazing. And uh, I also just wanted to very briefly just give a little dig to Mr. Christopher Gray, who uh, announced to Twitter that apparently I have a stutter, which I didn't know about. Um, that's great. That's awesome. Thanks, Chris. Uh, and our uh, patron of the week is jennifer green who is uh, who has been a patron for uh, a fair bit but she recently responded to we don't have your information by the way miss jenny green on on our website but she did recently respond to trevor's dispatch from two weeks ago i think it was where he sort of assigned a home another homework assignment of sitting down to write out you know why it is that you uh that you do this acting thing and i want i don't want to read the whole thing on on the podcast because first of all we don't have time and second of all i don't have her permission but um 
it was uh, it was really inspiring, Jenny. So so thank you. It's uh, you know she she goes into like why she became an actor, why she chose to you know choose it as a profession, and and everything that meant, and what she loves about being an artist. So um, so thanks for that, Jenny. And please 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 get us your headshot and info so that we can put it on the Patreon page. Yeah. I think it's really powerful to get in touch every once in a while just to recenter yourself with, with the why behind what you're doing, uh, you know, what, what, what we are doing as, as human beings with our lives. And, uh, you know, acting's a tough one, man. It, it can be a tough ride. So I think just taking the time to just be like, why am I here again? What, what, <laughs> why, why did I choose this? Why am I hungry and not being able to pay rent? This Oh, right, because fill in the blank. Um, so I think uh, what she wrote was beautiful, and uh, and I I think that uh, a lot of people feel that way, the same way she feels. So thank you again, Jennifer. Just like AJ just said, thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. I think that about then does it. That's it. That's all we wrote. Episode one fifty eight. One fifty eight. Yeah, and the number's getting getting up there. It's getting big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so lots of ways for you listening to uh, kind of learn more, interact with the podcast uh, rather than just listening to it on your daily commute or while you're doing laundry or whatever you're doing. Uh, you can um, you know go to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com and interact with us there. We've got show notes. We've got links. We've got a, a, our voicemail number. We've got a place to leave a comment on the episode. We've got our email uh, that you can email us from to something. <laughs> This is yes, always the uh, part of the episode where I like just start to miss you complete you just completely fall just apart. It's so funny. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, yes, we are also on uh, all of the social medias: uh, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, and the Oggles. Don't forget the Oggles. The Oggles. Well, Trevor's on the Oggles. The podcast is not on the Oggles. Yeah, um, yeah, but you can follow you can follow the podcast. You can also follow us individually. Um, Trevor is what are you on Twitter? Trowgat? Trevor Algat. Trevor Algat. One all word. spelled out one word. I'm digital actor. Um, and uh, you can what you can you can leave us a comment or a review on actor rated on on iTunes. Um, we appreciate those five star reviews. If it's not a five star review, please reach out and let us know what we can do to improve so that we can earn your five star review. Amen. And uh, last but certainly not least, you can always donate to the podcast and become a patron like Jennifer Green. And becoming a patron uh, is as easy as signing up for a recurring monthly donation to the podcast. You can do so at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Just click on the donate link. If you don't want to be a patron, you can always just leave a lump sum of, a lump sum of e-cash. Cold hard right. cash. Cold hard e-cash. <laughs> <laughs> right there on the website. And you can write it off for a number of different reasons, whether it's a donation or an education expense or, you know, something that you're you're putting into your career. There's there's a number of different ways of writing that that donation off. So feel free to take advantage. Yeah. And remember <clears throat> that that which you put out comes back to uh-huh. you multiplied. Yes. <laughs> Good one, Trevor. Good All right. One. So for episode 158, uh, Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Cesar Gaminio is our technical producer. Gadali Gubarek is our marketing and web director. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. 
I got that there it title is. correct. I got it right. There it is. Nailed it. Community something. It was, she was community something last week. Yeah, I know. You're the manager. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, so for episode 158, thanks for listening, guys. I am Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, put out peace. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start.